Father, we thank you that our faith is in you. Our faith, Father, is not in our good works. Our faith is not in our physical church. Father, our faith is in you. Lord, we thank you that you never fail. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Father, you're still the same God that you've ever been. A God of hope and a God of peace. A God of mercy and kindness, Father. A God that heals and provides. And Father, we thank you. And Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. amen. We appreciate all the good things he's done for us and, and will continue to do for us. And so um, let's continue uh, in our teaching here. Uh, Dr. McCrossan has been going through four different witnesses. And uh, he started with the book of Isaiah. And then he uh, went to uh, Peter. And now he's uh, talking about some things that Paul has said. And he'll, he'll finish up the fourth one there with just overall some Old Testament types and shadows. Uh, and so let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Romans 8.23. Uh, we talked about this last week, uh, but it'd be good just to kind of repeat that so we can continue on in this discussion about this. And so uh, he said here uh, in Romans 8.23 that, uh, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first, first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Uh, and so if you just read that kind of at the surface level, uh, you think that, well, we, we're not redeemed. Our body's not been rede redeemed. And so at some point they will be redeemed. And so uh, but what we should do and be, as being good stewards of the word is to study the word. Amen. Paul told Timothy to study to show thyself approved. So he didn't just say read to study this, uh, uh, read to show thyself approved. He said study. So that means you have to read it and then look up the definitions of words, compare different translations, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and then, and then rely upon the Spirit of God to grant you revelation. Uh, and so uh, in this particular case, this word redemption, there's two primary Greek words that we find in the New Covenant used for redeem or redemption. Uh, one of them has a time component to it, which means that it's not... Uh, that we don't receive everything related to that redemption at this point in time, but it'll come at some point in the future. And that's what this word, redemption of our bodies, is, is uh, implying that the work and the price for our redemption has been paid once and for all at the cross. It's not going to be paid more later on. It was paid uh, in full at the cross, but we don't receive the end of that payment or the, the manifestation of what that uh, payment was made for until sometime in the future. And, and we know, if you look at the whole counsel of God, that at some point in the future, we get a glorified body. Uh, and so uh, we don't have that glorified body now, so uh, the, the payment for that glorified body has been made, but we haven't received that yet. Uh, and so that'll come at some point in the future. Uh, around the time of, of the rapture of the church, uh, this old body that uh, Paul said that has corruption and now will, will put on incorruption, uh, but right now it has corruption, which means it's subject to death, right? It, it means it has, it, it uh, can get sick, although our, our faith can override that. But just naturally speaking, it has, uh, it has the ability to get sick. And so uh, we have to apply our faith to that. We can't apply our faith 
to, uh, to live forever because there's no promise. Faith uh, begins where the will of God is known and is founded upon the word of God. So there's no promise that we will physically live forever. So you can't have faith for that because there's no promise for that. But we do see in the Old Covenant where there's promises of living to be 120 years, and it seems like uh, in Genesis chapter 6 that that's what the Lord has capped that at. Uh, and so reason, uh, uh, really the church should have faith to live for 120 years. Now, uh, Psalm 91 also says that with long life he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. So uh, you can decide really up to a certain point if you, if you have satisfied, if you, if you live a satisfied long life as far as you're concerned, then, you know, you can start negotiating with the Lord. Well, Lord, I've lived a satisfied life. I believe, remember Paul said that, that I finished my course, I've run my race, and I'm, I'm ready to be offered up. Well, then he, he was ready to go. Uh, as far as he was concerned, he believed that he had completed all the things that the Lord had instructed him to do. He was ready to go home to be with the Lord. Another time, though, when he was talking to the Philippians, he said, well, you know, I'm kind of stuck between two uh, places here, whether to stay or to leave. He said, to stay is better for you, but to leave is better for me. And I'm kind of paraphrasing there a little bit. Uh, and, and so he said, I'll tell you what, I'll stay. Uh, and so he decided to stay. He could have left and gone home to be with the Lord, but he decided to stay. So we do have some flexibility up to a certain point in our natural life about when we go home to be with the Lord and, and uh, when we, uh, if we decide to stay. Uh, and that is based upon your faith, amen? Uh, and so, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of Christians will die because death attacks them and, and they don't stand firm against that death uh, and death will win the battle, amen? They won't win the war because you get to go to heaven. Uh, and so it'll, it'll win that particular battle uh, and your life will come, your physical life will come to an end. Uh, and so ideally, uh, we all, uh, as we get close to the end of our time and have completed the work that the Lord has asked us to do, then the Lord will, will start uh, talking to us and say, why don't you just come on home? And he say, okay, Lord, I, what day do you want to come home? How about Tuesday? Uh, okay, Lord, what time? Well, how about, uh, uh, how about uh, breakfast time? Well, I really like lunch. Well, let's, let's, okay, let's do it after lunch. All right, I'll come home on Tuesday after lunch. And I believe, you know, from the word of God that, uh, that we, we can do that. We ought to be able to do that, Amen. Uh, and it shouldn't be that our life was taken from us. We should lay our life down when it's time to go. Amen. Uh, that's not always the case. It's, uh, in fact, the, the, unfortunately, it, it's in uh, practically speaking, the majority of the times is, is our life is taken from us. Death attacks us. Uh, we don't stand their ground. Uh, and, uh, and it wins that particular battle. And so it's because uh, it, it's an enemy, right? Death is an enemy. It will come and try to steal your life. Uh, and, uh, and we've not taught well enough in the church that, um, <clears throat> that we have that right to do that. Now, some, I have heard some ministers say that, well, according to Psalm 90, where it talks about that you have 70 or 80 years uh, due to strength, that that's really the limit there. And that Genesis chapter 6, where it says 120 years, is not that case. So you really can't believe God for that. I've heard some people say that Genesis chapter 6 is only the starting point, that you can live to be past 120 uh, and, and so uh, there seems to be a lot of opinions. My opinion is, uh, based on what I read in the Word of God, that the Genesis chapter 6 is the limit. Uh, and if you look at all of humanity, uh, from the time after a few generations after Noah, that's pretty much been the limit, right? 120 years has been the limit for thousands of years for, the, for humanity. Nobody lives past that age, right? On average, I think the life expectancy in America is early 70s for men, 
and a little bit later on for women. Uh, and so um, I don't know if that's because women are better than men or if they're just slower than men, right? You know, they're always late, right? And so uh, we don't know which one it is. We don't have any doctrine for that, so we'll leave it alone. Uh, but, but that's just a natural uh, measurement, amen? The, the Word of God, the promise of the Word of God, I believe, says you can live to be 120 years old. Uh, and uh, uh, now I, I know lots of ministers. I know even Brother Hagen went through a period of time when he was about 70 years old. He said to Lord, he told the Lord, Lord, I'm, I, just let me go home. There's so much, so much aggravation, so much, uh, uh, so, so many attacks from the enemy. I'm just, I, I want to come home. I've been in the ministry 50 years. I just want to come on home. Uh, and uh, and then the Lord had a friend of his stand up and prophesy. No, it's not time for you to come home. Uh, and you know your emotions can get involved because the closer you walk with the Lord, the more you just want to be with Him anyway. You know, you get, you get used to sensing his presence. You get used to sensing the, the spirit of God. And you just want to go home. You know, that's what happened to Enoch, right? It said that, uh, uh, that he, got, he walked with God and, and, and it says, and he was not. It says God took him, but he didn't really take him. You know, uh, he just, just got so close with the, the Lord, he didn't come back. And so uh, he never died, right? Uh, we, have, uh, uh, we, we don't have any evidence that he, that he actually died. And so, uh, and so, there, were, so there were two... Uh, there were two men uh, in the Old Covenant that, that actually didn't physically die, right? And Enoch was one of them. Uh, who was the other one? Uh, it was Elijah, right? Remember, he was taken up and, and the, saw the chariots of fire. And so he never physically died. He just transferred from the physical realm to the spirit realm. Uh, and so, so uh, I think that there is a lot left on the table that the church has not uh, pursued in the area of faith and longevity in their life. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, I, I hear stuff like this all the time where people will say things like, well, you know, he lived a good long life because he, he uh, ate right. Anybody ever heard that? He ate right. And yet I don't see anywhere in the Bible that says with long life I will satisfy as long as your diet is, is according to, to my uh, uh, requirements, right? As long as you take your one-a-day vitamins, as long as you eat right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, in fact, they said that and immediately rose up in my heart. I eat right. I eat right every day. Every meal I eat right. Why? Because I eat every meal by faith. And so I eat right. I mean, isn't that the right way to eat? It seems like if you're going to eat, you should eat by faith. Amen. That, that, that uh, the body, this food will, will be nourishment to your body and, and he will bless your food and water. That's what the Bible says, right? And so if you eat by faith, if you eat right, you should eat right by faith. Amen. Uh, and so it, I can guarantee you that if you're eating uh, 12 donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that the Spirit of God would not say, uh, sounds good, keep on going that way, right? He's going to say, hey, glutton, stop doing that, uh, amen? And if you choose to rebel against that, then you're not eating right because you're in rebellion to the Lord. And one time the Lord told uh, my pastor, uh, stop eating French fries. Well, why? Well, because he could walk into the Wendy's, it was specifically Wendy's, He'd walk in, they'd see him, they'd go, we need a number one combo with cheese and a, and a, a super large Diet Pepsi. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so uh, the Lord said, you're in a rut, amen? Can you get in a rut? Well, you can get in a rut in, in about anything, amen? And so if the Lord tells you to change your diet, then you're eating right, amen? Uh, and so let the Lord talk to you about what you're eating because he knows your body better than you know your body. He knows what it needs because uh, the DNA of our bodies resides in the natural realm. 
And so uh, the Lord knows what your DNA is made up of, uh, exactly all the combinations. There's what uh, was it, four billion pairs of, of, of DNA uh, components there and each strand of DNA, and, and it's so microscopic we've never actually seen it as far as I know. Uh, and so, uh, but the Lord knows exactly what your body uh, needs and craves and should have. Uh, and so let the Lord uh, be your dietitian, amen? And so, if the Lord tells you to back off on something, back off on that. If, if the Lord doesn't say anything about it, then eat everything else in moderation. Uh, if you live by moderation, then you'll be fine. Amen? Uh, eat eat uh, whatever you want. What Brother Hagin said, that I, I eat whatever I want. He said, I just don't make a hog of myself. That's the way he said it. I don't make a hog of myself. Uh, and a lot of people take the first part and run with it. I eat whatever I want. Uh, and they're on a seafood diet, right? Whatever they see, that's food. Uh, and so they eat it. And so... Uh, that's probably not uh, the wisdom of the Lord. Amen? Because the body is natural. It's, it's constrained in the natural realm. It has natural needs and requirements. So, so uh, as far as your long life is concerned, I believe you can live to be 120 years old. And, you know, uh, even after that, could you extend that? Well, possibly. You know, the, the Lord uh, sets some, some constraints in the Word of God. But if there's things that you're doing, you know, maybe you can uh, work that out with the Lord. That's, that would be between you and the Lord but you wouldn't have faith for it. You could request it, Lord, can I stay around another year or two? I suppose you could request it because the Lord is gracious and kind. And, uh, and, and so uh, there's a lot of things that even though you don't have a scriptural foundation for, you could request of the Lord. Say, Lord, I'd like a special uh, case here and extend my life a little, a little bit longer for this reasons. Make your case right. He said, plead your case to the Lord. Uh, and, you know, that's, that would be between you and the Lord. If you were successful in that, I couldn't take that and say, well, if they did it, I can do it because you don't have any faith for that, amen? My faith is not based upon your experience, no matter whatever their experience is. My faith has to be upon the Word of God. If what you did was based upon the Word of God, then I could say, then if you can do it, I can do it because then I go back to the Word and, and repeat by faith what you did, and that's fine. Uh, but if you've got a special deal with the Lord that, that's outside the Word of God, and, and that's possible, right? That we're not trying to make up doctrine. We're just saying there's certain things that, uh, that are not covered in the Word of God that you could discuss with the Lord. And, and, you know, for example, you could pray for somebody else to live longer. And, and even if they're not believing for themselves, you could, uh, by going to the Lord and say, Lord, there's no word that I, but I'm asking you, would you do this because I'm asking you? And the Lord may say yes, you know, if you ask him, uh, you know, and, and, and you may have to negotiate with that, plead your case, amen? Uh, and so uh, we don't want to build any doctrine on that because we don't have doctrine for that, but, uh, but it, we do see from experience that those things can happen. So in, in Romans 8.23, where it says the redemption of our bodies, that, that's talking about a future, uh, uh, a, a time that, ex that transpires from the time that the, that the price was paid until the actual redemption is received, uh, and that will be for our bodies. Now, our spirits redeemed immediately, right? Their spirits don't need... Uh, to get better someday, sometime in the future. Let's turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll, we'll see a little bit about that. Uh, in, uh, it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. Uh, and so what's the name of our church? Word of truth. This is where we get the, the name of our church. This is when, the, when the, we started the church. This is what the Lord instructed us to call us church. Uh, and so, uh, you know, some people say, well, it has to have a certain name because that's, was, that's the name given in, in the Bible. Well, this is the name given in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Could we not use this? So that means that you have to come to our church in order to get saved, right? Is that, is that what it means? That's not what it means. That's crazy talk. Uh, but some people do that, right? They pick a, 
they pick a phrase out of the Bible and say, but I mean, the Church of God is in the phrase is in the Bible, right? So you have to go to Church of God, right? The Church of Christ is in the Bible, right? Does it mean you have to go to the Church of Christ? Well, some people do believe that you have to go to the Church of God or Church of Christ or Word of Truth, you know? Uh, that, that's not doctrine. It's not what it's saying, right? Uh, but, but people love to pick out fragments of the Word and build doctrine over fragments of the Bible, amen? Uh, and so... <clears throat> So here we are, that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, after, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Uh, and so uh, just as a small uh, uh, side trail here, uh, at the end of verse 13, it says, in whom af- also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, uh, over in, in chapter 4, in verse 32, it, it says something similar to that. It says, and be you kind, uh, well, that's not in verse, in verse uh, uh, 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Uh, and so, uh, it says that you were sealed with what? The Holy Spirit of promise, right? That's in, back in chapter 1, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So if the Holy Spirit is sealing you, what realm does the Holy Spirit live in? He lives in the spirit realm, right? So, so what part of your spiritual body is he going to seal? He's going to seal your spirit, right? He's not going to seal your body. He doesn't live in the, in the natural realm. He lives in the spirit realm. So if you look up that word sealed, what you find is there's two components of the word sealed there. One is sealed uh, to uh, identify you uh, or identify the uh, who you belong to, right? Identify the ownership of your spirit. Remember, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that uh, uh, your body and spirits are the Lord's because he purchased them, right? He, he redeemed your, your body and spirit, uh, and, uh, and so he owns it. And so if you could see in the realm of the spirit and you could, you could see your spirit being, if you flipped up your spirit being on the bottom of your foot, it would say, you know, owned by God, right? It's like you flip up, you know, a little doll or something, is, you know, made in Japan or something. It says made in heaven. Uh, and so it, it's sealed there with the ownership. So that tells you something, right? When the devil sees, because what realm does the devil live in? He lives in spirit realm. When he sees your spirit uh, man coming down the road, what does he see? Owned by God. And so that's why he's a little hesitant to mess with the church. Now, what he's hoping is you don't know that. What he's hoping is he, nobody ever told you that your, that your spirit man is sealed by God. So he's going to say all kinds of things. Well, you know, your spirit's all messed up, right? Uh, and so uh, the other component of this word sealed means sealed uh, as you would seal something for protection. Like when you seal a deck, uh, you put, you put uh, material on the deck to seal it, to protect it against the weather so that the weather has no effect on that deck. That's the purpose of sealing it, right? Uh, and so your spirit man is sealed by the Holy Spirit, protected from the elements, uh, the other elements of the spirit realm. Uh, and if, if people would know that, see, then they wouldn't have any squirrely doctrine about, well, you know, uh, I got problems in my spirit. I need spiritual healing. You know, are you saved? Well, yeah. Well, then you don't need any spiritual healing because if your spirit is sealed by the Holy Ghost, what got past the, the boundary of the Holy Ghost to affect your spirit being? What power in the universe is capable of of breaking through the seal of the Holy Ghost. Is the devil powerful enough to break through the seal of the Holy Spirit? No. And so it's poor doctrine to say that, this, that somehow 
the devil or circumstances or whatever has affected your spirit man and you need spiritual healing. Uh, and, but do you ever, anybody ever heard that phrase or that, that kind of a doctrine in, in the church? Well, they have. They, and usually what they're talking about is emotional uh, distress, right? And, and I don't even like to say emotional healing because uh, the phrase that the Bible uses is the renewing of your mind. Amen? Uh, you, don't, you don't need your soul healed. You need your mind renewed. Uh, and so it's always good, it's always, uh, uh, good doctrine to follow the phrases and the terminology of the Bible and not make up worldly terminology and not bring in terminology from the medical world into the church and say, well, you need, you need uh, your soul to be healed. You, know, you need your emotional healing. Uh, and so, because then it opens up all kinds of other flaky doctrine. And so let's not come up with any flaky doctrine. Let's find out what the doctrine of the Word says. So the Bible says that your spirit man is sealed with the Holy Ghost. So uh, if that's true, then how many errors are in, that, are in your spirit man? No, because what happens when you accept the Lord Jesus? What happens to your spirit man when you accept the Lord Jesus? Uh, it's born again, right? It's made brand new, right? Behold, all things are new, and all things are of God. So we're talking about your spirit man. So if in the moment that you accept the Lord Jesus, your spirit man is now born again, it's brand new, right? If it's born again, that means it's, born, re, it's reborn and, and, and is brand new. Uh, and so there are no errors in it. And then immediately, as soon as you're born again, then the Spirit seals it, right? He seals your perfectly brand new spirit man, and he seals it. So uh, that, there's so many implications to that. If we would meditate on that long enough, then how many errors will your spirit man have in it? None. And so, is it possible for your spirit man to lead you astray? Hey, go rob that bank. No, nobody, nobody, no Christian spirit man has ever told them go rob a bank because the spirit is made brand new in God's image, God's likeness, and then sealed by the Holy Ghost, impervious to all the elements around it, which in, would include the, the realm, of, of the demonic realm. And so, uh, it, it is not subject to uh, the influences of the devil. Now, your mind is because it needs to be renewed. Amen? And so your spirit man cannot lead you astray. Your spirit man is perfect. Now, it's not fully mature. It needs to be fed. It needs to be taken care of and and, uh, allow it to pray and spend time with the presence of God. So it becomes strong, right? Because the Bible says that you can be strengthened with all might in your inner man, which implies that you could be weak in your inner man. And so you could be strong in your inner man. You could be weak, but there's no errors in it. Amen? And so... That, that should settle a lot of flaky doctrine that gets in the church about, well, Christians can be possessed with the devil, for example. Uh, to be possessed with the devil, it means to be fully possessed, spirit, soul, and body, of the devil. Well, how's the devil going to get past the seal of the Holy Ghost to possess your spirit, man, if you're born again? He's not, so you cannot be uh, possessed as a Christian. Now, you can be oppressed, right, where the devil is attacking you and, and making you think all the kinds of crazy thoughts, now, but your thought life is not your spirit, man. Your thought life is in the realm of the soul. Uh, and so, uh, so th- th- I mean, that's a little s- side journey, but I really like uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about your spirit, man, because y- you, need to, you need to have the foundation that my spirit, man, has no errors. If my spirit, man, tells me to do something, then he's picking it up from the spirit of God because that's the only thing that can get into my spirit, man, is uh, the, the words of the spirit of God, Amen. Nothing else can get through because it would have to break the seal of the Holy Ghost to get through into your spirit man. And I don't know anything that's that powerful in the whole universe. Amen. Uh, and the devil is, is weak 
uh, and beggarly compared to uh, the Spirit of God uh, in spite of some people's uh, thoughts about that. Amen? Uh, and so uh, just know that your spirit man is, is secure. Uh, there are no errors in it. Amen? Uh, and so uh, get that settled in your heart and have confidence in that. Uh, and so uh, he said uh, that you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise in verse 13 of chapter 1. In verse 14, it says, which is the earnest or really the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession with, unto the praise of his glory. So he called the Holy Spirit. He, he said the amount of the Holy Spirit you have right now is earnest money, right? Anybody know what earnest money is? Uh, if you go buy a house or go buy a car, uh, what's earnest money? Yeah, it, it's a, is it the whole amount of what's due? No, it's a portion of what you're going to, what the seller is going to get in the future. Amen? They're, they're going to get, you're going to give them a little bit now, but you're going to get the rest of them after you get through the bank and all, all, all of that stuff. Amen? Uh, and so that's the earnest. That's a down payment. So uh, how good do we have it on the earth? Pretty good, right? How, how much of the Spirit of God can we experience on the earth? Sometimes so much you can't even stand up. It doesn't matter how much spirit of God you've experienced on the earth, it's an earnest, it's a down payment of how much it will see and experience when we get to heaven. Uh, and so as good as you got it, uh, it it's, uh, uh, it's embarrassingly small compared to what the, the real thing is when you get the full experience of it in heaven. Uh, and so that's a good thing, right? Now, if you're going to buy something you know, online, uh, like you know, uh, from, from the, one of these online marketplaces, and uh, it, it's, uh, you know, so-and-so selling it, and they ask you for a down payment, uh, usually the answer should be no. Amen? Until you go see it and touch it and, and lick it, uh, you, you make sure that it, it's real. Amen? Because they're gonna, there's all kinds of scams on the Internet, which we experienced just the other day, right? We weren't, we weren't scammed. We had enough wisdom to, to know that uh, it's a lie. But if they're selling you know, a widget or whatever, and you say, hey, I'd, I'd like to come see it, well, send me some money first, uh, and then you come see it the answer should always be no. Well, I, I need to put money down so I don't get it. Anytime you have to have something, they've already got you. Amen? So you need to always be able to walk away from any transaction, and you'll be fine. That's got nothing to do with healing, but still, it's, it should be, be a little wisdom there to help you out. Uh, and so let's read uh, verses 13 and 14 in the Amplified Bible there, uh, and we'll get some more insight, because this, where it says, until the redemption of the purchased possession, well, I thought we were already redeemed. Uh, well, again, this particular redemption is the, the Greek word that contains the time element. Uh, and so in the Amplified, it says uh, in verse 13, In him you also have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, gospel of your salvation, and have believed in and adhered to and relied on him, were stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. So the Amplified brings out the, the concept that your spirit man has been stamped with ownership, right? Uh, but it's also... Uh, is sealed in the sense of sealed for protection. That spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge, and the foretaste, the down payment of our heritage in, in anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the full, of, the full redemption has been paid for, but you haven't received the full redemption. Amen. You've received partial redemption, which... Uh, the part that we received already is our spirit man, right? Our spirit man has been fully redeemed. It'll not be any more redeemed in the future. It's as good as it's going to get. It will continue to grow and increase even probably after we arrive in heaven. But our, our bodies are a different story. Our bodies are, are um, 
uh, our future. Now, the Lord did grant us a partial redemption even of our bodies in the sense that we have a right to believe God for healing. So that's part of the redemption, but eventually we'll receive the full redemption of our bodies and, uh, and that will come uh, in the future, right? Uh, and so, so that time element, time element uh, is important there, amen? Uh, and so <clears throat> uh, there was something else that he wanted to say here. Let's see if I can find it there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we already talked about all those things. So, um, and so uh, let's see, we read verse 14 there, yeah. Uh, so uh, a couple of things then in relation to this, uh, he's got some notes uh, in relation to verse 14, uh, that number one, that we have already been purchased, right? To redeem means to purchase out of the marketplace. So uh, we have already been purchased. He said that the price of our redemption has been paid. Uh, and what was the price of our redemption? It was specifically the blood of Jesus, right? Uh, was that, was that uh, enough to cover redemption for every human being that's ever existed? It was enough, amen? Uh, and then, then he makes a statement here and we're going, to, we're going to talk about it. Uh, he says, uh, we are not yet free from the consequences of our formal sinful state. Uh, and so he's implying, you know, the, the difficulties we have with our body and that sort of thing. Uh, but I'm not, uh, I'm not a big fan of that uh, phrase that we are not yet free from the consequences of our formal state. So he's saying that what, however you live before you accepted the Lord, you know, then there are consequences for that that carry into your life as a child of God. Um, uh, and, and really, there's only two things that w- that's outstanding for uh, our redemption that we have not received the fullness of yet. One uh, is the glorified body, which uh, really, the, the second part of that is that that body is free from mortal death. And so they're really related to the same thing. We've already received all that we're going to have for a spirit man, right? Uh, and so that part's taken care of. We've already received all that we have uh, need for from sin, uh, that part's taken care of. Uh, and so uh, it, it's really uh, the, the problems we live with now in our physical body are not because of the sin that you committed prior to being born again. The problems you're dealing with your body now are, are here because of the consequences of Adam's sin, right? Adam brought death and, and sickness into the earth, not your sin, right? This, the, uh, before you were even on the earth, sin and death was, on, was in the earth. So your sins that you committed prior to accepting the Lord Jesus did not bring that into the earth. It was already here. So there are consequences that are carried over into your Christian life that you have to have faith to stand against sickness and disease, but that's because of the sickness and disease and death that Adam allowed into the earth, amen? Uh, Because some people will think, well, I'm still paying for my sinful life before accepting the Lord Jesus. No, there's nothing that you have to pay for because of your sinful life before receiving the Lord Jesus, because his payment was sufficient, amen? Uh, and so it's not good doctrine to think that, well, you know, I've got a limp, or I've got bad heart disease, or I've got, you know, this thing or that thing going on because I lived as a sinner for the first uh, 18 years of my life or whatever it is, uh, that would be poor doctrine to state something like that, uh, amen? Uh, but some people will try to push that on you. Uh, well, you know, you're just... Uh, that you're, you're dealing with the consequences uh, of your formal, your formal life. And I hear a lot of weird doctrine like that, you know. I remember one person said that they're dealing with a lot of emotional problems now because of how they were born, right, how their mother birthed them into the earth. Now, and I was talking to someone who said that one time, and I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then they got mad at me, right? 
<laughs> you know, sometimes you've got to be careful, because even if you think that's the dumbest thing you've ever heard, it's not always helpful to say that's the dumbest thing you've ever heard, right? But is that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Why? Because they're saying that, that, that there's nothing they can do. They're stuck with that, that mental and, and emotional trauma. Uh, and besides that, it, uh, did you remember when you, when, you, when you were born, right? I mean, you know, did you have a diary? Day one, so far so good, right? I mean, did you, did you know it when you were actually born? You, you don't remember none of, none of, nothing like that. In fact, you don't remember, what about when you was one year old? Did you remember anything when you, no, two, three, four? Maybe when you're five, you start becoming sentient and remember things, amen? Uh, but, and, and I don't really know, you know, why the Lord, uh, everybody, everybody, humans that way, right? There are no babies that go, yeah, yeah, man, when, when I was eight years old, you know, my mom wouldn't bring that bottle. I screamed at her, you know, when, or eight months old. Uh, did I say eight years old? Eight years old, yeah. If you're still on a bond when you're eight years old, there are emotional problems you've got to deal with, right? But uh, that's a different discussion. Uh, but if you're eight months old, you're not, you're not thinking, man, mom, come on. Uh, and you don't remember that. And, and I'm, why are you still mad at your mom? You're in high school. Well, she wouldn't give me my bottle when I was eight months old. You don't remember that. And, and why is that the case? Well, I don't really know. There's no scripture for it, no Bible, no doctrine for it. It just is, amen? We, we observe that and, and, and uh, acknowledge that that's the case. Uh, and so... So there are, no, there are no consequences. And, and you know, even if, uh, even if you had trauma in your early life that you did remember, could you not overcome that where it's not part of your life? You know, you shouldn't be held back by, by anything that's occurred to you in your life. You should choose to be exactly what the Word of God says you are, uh, which is you, you have the right to be full of joy, right? Full of peace, full of contentment. You have a right to do that. You should not be defined by your past. Even, even if those things happened after you were a Christian. It, it just doesn't matter. We're not trying to make light of it, but, but so often in the church and, and the this, this psycho, psychological world will tell you, well, you're never really over that. Right? That's not true at all. You know, even, even like if you go to different programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, they will tell you, stand up and for the next 50 years say, my name is so-and-so, I am an alcoholic. No, they never say that. Uh, I'd stand up and say, my name is so-and-so. I'm a child of the living God. Now, I did those things, but they don't, they're not part of my life now. Uh, I recall them that I did those things, and you, know, you, you don't, uh, you don't uh, uh, remove those out of your memory, but you do remove them out of the effects of your life. Amen? Uh, you're, not an, you're not an alcoholic once you accept the Lord Jesus. Uh, and it's, and it's, poor, it's really uh, poor doctrine to make a confession like that, that I am an alcoholic. You know, the Lord can help you remove, in fact, we were talking to some folks that were here this morning. They said uh, they were long-term drug addicts, and uh, one day they just uh, got serious with the Lord and said, Lord, we, we want you. The Lord came and removed all of that desire for, for all those drugs immediately, the very day. They went home, got rid of everything. The next day they woke up, no desire. And they've been on, on hardcore drugs for years, right, many years. Uh, and that doesn't happen except supernaturally, amen? Uh, and so, so don't allow these, you know, to me, uh, doctrines like that, that, that you're paying for the consequences of the sins before you got born again, that's sneaky doctrine, right? That's little things that sneak into you and destroys your confidence in the Lord, right? Someone like that will never have confidence in the Lord that they can believe God to overcome anything. Think, well, you know, I'm just suffering and it's just, there's really nothing I can do. I did these things. I did do those things. And so I'm just suffering, you know, the consequence. And so they, they, they can never have the, the confidence to believe God to overcome that. Now, now, you know, we observe, just naturally speaking, why this is the case. We don't always know why, but, you know, some things uh, are removed immediately when you get born again. Some things you have to work on by faith. 
and, and why that is, I don't really know, right? We don't have any particular doctrine for that I, that I'm aware of. Uh, but I do know that everything can be overcome by faith. And sometimes it takes a season to stand your ground. Sometimes it's done immediately. Amen. I think the Lord just uh, sovereignly will do things out of the kindness of his heart immediately. And some things he'll, he just expects you to, to apply faith to it to overcome. Uh, it, but the confidence we can have is regardless of what it is, you can't overcome it. Uh, and if you'll have that confidence, see, then you'll never quit. A lot of people think, well, I, I don't know if I can overcome that or not. Well, then you'll never make it. You, you, not by faith, you won't. Um, some people, they'll try it for a day, and I guess, I guess the, the consequences of my sins have caught up with me, and I, I'm just not going to be able to overcome that. That is not a true statement, amen? Now, you may give it up. You may not, you may not pursue it. You may not press in uh, to continue in that path by faith, <clears throat> but I, I, I would encourage you, don't ever give it up. Yeah. If it takes you 20 years, uh, you know, I just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to have to live forever because I'm going to have to overcome this, and I, I don't want to leave until I overcome this thing, uh, whatever that thing is, Amen. Uh, and don't just say that so that you can keep doing it, right? I mean, some people, they say words and their, their actions never line up with their words, amen? That would be a difficult part to be there. So, uh, so that, was, that, was the, um, uh, that was the witness of Paul, right? So Paul had a lot of good things to say about that. Uh, and uh, Paul's really, uh, you know, if you look at the, the, uh, the, the teachings of Paul, you don't find a lot of teachings about the healing of your body uh, directly you, but you do see about what happened to your body and that your body was redeemed and so you can apply that to the knowledge of healing uh, and then uh, uh, the last uh, the last witness so he had four witnesses about um, <clears throat> that the atonement does cover our physical healing uh, and the last one then is going back again to the old covenant because uh, there's certain types and shadows that we see from the old covenant that came along uh, with us into the new covenant so let's turn back all the way back to the book of Leviticus. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right? There's a song about all the books of the Bible, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in church, so I don't know that song. Uh, and so I can tell you most of them uh, and, um, until you get to the, to the 12 minor prophets. And then they're, they're in there somewhere, right? Jonah and Micah and Malachi and Zechariah and Zephaniah. And I could probably name all 12 of them, but... Uh, uh, and so that's why God invented the index, amen? Uh, and so, table of contents. So here in Leviticus chapter 14, now Leviticus chapter 14 is an interesting uh, chapter here because it is the law governing, uh, I mean, how many verses are in chapter 14? Uh, it, it's uh, uh, 57. There's 57 verses in chapter 14 Nearly every one of them, and I think they are, every one of them uh, is talking about the subject of the leper being cleansed. And so it's an entire chapter dedicated to a single sickness and disease uh, about uh, what should happen if you are cleansed from leprosy. <clears throat> and so uh, because leprosy w was a contagious disease uh, and it was rampant in this part of the world at this time frame of history, once you got it, it was pretty much a death sentence, right? I mean, you were going to live with that the rest of your life, and it would eventually kill you, but it was a slow and painful, you know, multiple years of death, and it would deteriorate your body, and you would lose things like fingers and noses and, you know, appendages of your body, and it would just deteriorate. And it was a, a, a terrible disease, painful disease, and a contagious disease. So, so they had to set up rules. Uh, now, this is not so much in this chapter, but in other chapters, they had to set up rules that if you were a leper you were not allowed to be around people because 
you touch somebody, now of course they were sometimes superstitious, just getting close to somebody would be sufficient, but you pretty much had to touch somebody to, to get leprosy. <clears throat> it wasn't an airborne disease as far as I know. Uh, and so, but this chapter is, uh, if you are cleansed from, from leprosy, uh, then, uh, in fact, what it says there in verse, uh, let's start in verse 1, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. <clears throat> and so the whole rest of the chapter goes about, here's all the things you got to do, right? You got to go show yourself to the priest. He's got to look at you, you know, closely, make sure there's no... Uh, uh, spots, you know, that look like leprosy on you, uh, and then if, if, if he decides that, yes, you are cleansed from leprosy, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase the whole chapter there, we're not going to read all 57 verses there, uh, and so really the first, uh, the first uh, nine verses there, uh, in fact, I think, uh, yeah, well, let's go ahead and read, we, we can at least read these first nine verses because it's a type and a shadow of what the Lord completed for us in the New Covenant. So he said, uh, here's a law in the day of your cleansing. He said, the priest shall go forth out of the camp and the priest shall look and behold that the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. So uh, uh, it's, it's a supernatural healing. The only way that you get out of leprosy is supernatural healing. Now, uh, I don't know. I think leprosy is a virus and I'm not sure if they even have. Um, uh, anybody know? I'm not, I'm not done any research on, on actual leprosy today uh, if they have a cure for it or not. Uh, and there are leper colonies even around the world, right? Uh, it seems like I heard there's one even in the United States somewhere, but, um, but this is pretty much a third world type of sickness now, but you don't hear much of it anymore. And there's a, a, a modern name for this particular disease. What's that? Hansen's, Hansen's disease, yeah. Uh, one of the, I guess leprosy sounds really bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's not me. Uh, and so, so if the, if the priest identifies that, yes, you are healed of leprosy, it says in verse 4, then, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over the running water. And as for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And they shall sprinkle upon him uh, that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. And he that is cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair uh, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days, but on the seventh day, but it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair he shall shave off and he shall wash his clothes and, shall, and he shall wash his flesh in water and he shall be clean. And then it, it talks about a bunch of other things. You've got to go to your house and, you know, burn all the clothes. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the thing that uh, uh, I don't know if people appreciate or not, but apparently leprosy can lie dormant in, your, in the hair on your body, right? And so that's part of why he was doing this. Uh, there's a lot of things from a, even a medical standpoint that people didn't understand and know that the Lord told them to do. Uh, and so uh, if he tells you, uh, shave it off, be, be a naked mole rat, then that's what, he, then that's what you should do, right? Uh, and so uh, how many birds were taken? <clears throat> uh, and so the, there were the two birds and one was killed, right? Uh, and the blood was shed. Uh, for the, the cleansed leper. Well, who does that sound like? Who else died and shed blood on our behalf? 
Well, the Lord Jesus did, right? So, uh, so clearly uh, the dead bird represents Jesus. Now, Dr. McCross instead said that the living bird also represents Jesus. Uh, and, um, you know, I, uh, I mean, I, I think it's fine, but I think that the better type is that, it, it, that the living bird represents us because he took a living bird and he sprinkled a living bird with the blood. Well, that sounds more like me than Jesus, right? Uh, I know Jesus was alive, and so, uh, so are we going to fight about it? No, we're not going to fight about it because he's dead anyway, right? So um, I, I think it's perfectly fine to look at it that way. But just in my reading, uh, I, I would think that, that since there's two birds, that we represent the living bird uh, and that Jesus sprinkled his blood upon us to cleanse us from the leprosy because the leper's still alive here, right? He's, uh, he, he didn't die. So uh, that's just my opinion there that I think that the living bird represents us and the, the, the bird uh, that was killed represents Jesus. Uh, and so, so uh, and it's interesting, uh, you got an entire chapter here in the book of Leviticus talking about the cleansing of the leper. How many Israelites were cleansed of leprosy in the history of the Old Testament? Israelites, right? What's that? Yeah, but in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. Uh, the only one who was ever cleansed was, was Miriam, and that was kind of a special case. Uh, uh, that, that was, a, I think, a, an outlier of the situation. But no, no leper in the history of Israel ever got supernaturally cleansed from leprosy. <clears throat> and so, uh, so why would the Lord spend all this time? Uh, I mean, he wrote in 57 verses about here's what to do when you're cleansed, and yet, uh, you know, if I was a leper, I'd be, I'd be reading Leviticus 14 every day. Well, Lord, right there in your word, you promised that if I'm healed, you know, then I want to be healed. I want to follow this process of getting healed and then going through the other, you know, it says you get healed there in verse 3, and there's, there's still uh, 50, uh, 54 more verses. Uh, Lord, I want to live in verses 4 through 57. Uh, and go through this whole process of, you know, I'll, I'll talk to the Lord about that every day. And yet, how many Israelites took advantage of this? None. No one ever took advantage of that. You know, it, it's a shame that the Lord would spend all this time discussing this and showing this, and, and here's how to do it, and nobody took advantage of that. They just died a horrible death. Amen? Now, how, how many verses in the Bible has the church not appropriated like they should and left dormant uh, of faith and, and never uh, utilized that verse? You know, a lot of things, uh, you know, really wasn't until uh, the 20th century that the church even started to believe in faith as a whole, right? I mean, we just, a lot of the church was, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Well, you know, uh, it, it's sometimes it's God's will to heal, sometimes it's not. Even the Pentecostal church, I mean, for decades, the Pentecostal church, well, if the, Lord, if the Lord's will, he'll heal you. Uh, anybody ever heard that even in a Pentecostal church, right? <clears throat> well, uh, has, it not, has he not always been the Lord our healer? He is, but, but until the Lord rose up, folks like Brother Hagen and E.W. Kenyon and, and folks like that, uh, and reestablished the faith that's always been there thousands of years, we, we have not lived to the fullness of faith that we could have, right? The authority of the believer, right? The believer's authority and, and how we have the name of Jesus and access to the name of Jesus to, to command uh, this natural world to come into alignment with the, with the plan and will of God. That, uh, when did Jesus say, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth? Uh, in Matthew 28:18, right? Well, what, when was Matthew 28:18 written? Thousands of years ago. And yet, how long did the church live outside of that authority that, that the Lord gave it to us? <clears throat> and so, 
you know, we can be hard on the, on the Israelites because, well, I, I can't believe that they do that. Well, we're not any better, right? Uh, even when we got the idea that, hey, we're Pentecostal, you know, we, we receive the Holy Spirit and, and speak in tongues. That's great. Are you living by faith? Well, the best I can. You know, I'm trying, I'm trying every day, but sometimes I don't make it. Uh, and so, um, uh, but then Jesus, of course, comes along. And remember, he told some of the lepers, go and show yourself to the priest. Well, why did he do that? Because he was still under the old covenant. He said, go show yourself to the priest and, and make the offering that he said. Well, the offering was the two birds here. Uh, and so when Jesus said that, he was referring back to Leviticus uh, chapter 14. And he didn't do that for all of them. But you remember the one leper said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst can, can cleanse me. And he said, I will be thou cleansed. And he laid his hands on him. He touched him. Well, that was in violation of the law of God, right? But who wrote the law? Jesus did. Could he, could he decide, well, you know, I'm still going to touch you, even though law says I, I shouldn't touch you, but I want to touch you. You know, there, there are plenty of people that were healed just by him speaking the word. He didn't have to. There were some healed by him spitting on them, right? Of course, that might offend the leper because he was already an outcast of society. If you spit on them, well, thanks, Jesus. That really, that really helps me a lot right there. You sp- not only am I a leper and I have to say unclean everywhere I go, now you're spitting on me, right? So the blind man, it was fine, right? But uh, for the leper, uh, it would have been probably a little bit, uh, it might have hurt his feelings, right? And so let's turn back to uh, Exodus chapter 12. We'll look at another type in a shadow here. <clears throat> uh, and so, of course, you know, you can get really, uh, uh, you can get really deep into types and shadows. Uh, and sometimes we, we go too far with it, right? Sometimes we, we uh, delve into these types and shadows and we read things that aren't there. <clears throat> types and shadows are similar to parables, right? They have a kind of a core idea and that's the meaning of it. And everything else is just, you know, the infrastructure to get that idea across. You know, and so you can't always pull out every single jot and tittle out of a type and shadow and, and try to force it into some New Testament doctrine. <clears throat> but some people do, right? And uh, sometimes they get out of order in those things. But here we are in Exodus chapter 12. Now, Exodus chapter 12 uh, is uh, the story of the Passover, right? And so the pa- we know the story, right? They've gone through the nine plagues and, and then uh, the tenth plague was uh, when, the, when the angel of death came through uh, Egypt, uh, then in order for, now all the other plagues, uh, the other nine plagues, when, when the plague would come through, uh, the land of Goshen, which was the suburb uh, of Egypt where the nation of Israel lived, uh, it was automatically um, exempt from the rest of the plague, right? So when the locusts came and the frogs came and the flies came, None of them went to the land of Goshen where Egypt was, where, where the Israelites were. But the angel of death was different. The angel of death, well, well, is the angel of death from the Lord? I mean, is it, is it from heaven? No, the, the death is not from heaven, right? The angel of death is, is the enemy of mankind. So all the Lord did was remove his hand and allow the enemy to do whatever he wanted to do, which was the angel of death to come and destroy uh, Israel. But the Lord still put a limit on that. The Lord, the Lord said, well... Uh, according to the words of my servant Moses, then the angel of death can only destroy the oldest, right? Now, he didn't say the oldest of what animal group. So the, the eldest of all mammals was killed, right? The eldest cow, eldest sheep, you know, eldest buffalo. I don't know if they had buffalo in Egypt or not, but if they did, the eldest buffalo was too bad for you, right? Uh, and so, um, so when the angel of death came, if he said, go kill the oldest, you know, uh, he wasn't under the, under the authority of the Lord. Uh, and so he was constrained by the Lord. So the Lord had to go and do one extra step 
for the Israelites, which was to mark them and, this, and, to, and to let the angel of death know this group of folks right here are exempt from, from your destruction. And so uh, he says, we're not going to read through the whole thing, but let's start here in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to turn back a page here. Uh, he says, and they shall take... Uh, uh, they shall take of the blood and strike it upon the two door posts or two side posts and on the upper door of the house wherein they shall eat. Uh, and it, it, of course he goes on and talks about other details. We'll read, just read a few more verses here. And thou shalt eat the flesh of the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Now, just as a side journey, you know, a lot of times the church will celebrate the Passover meal, right? Uh, and they call it a Seder meal uh, in the Jewish society. And, and so you can actually go, and we've been to one of these, uh, where you go to, uh, a lot of times a Jewish organization will put on a Seder meal that anybody can come to and, and be involved with. And, and uh, they will do all these things, right? Now, they won't do the blood part of it, but they will, they will um, uh, eat the flesh uh, that's roasted with fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Now, you remember when Jesus, uh, at, the, at the Passover meal, Remember, he, he took the bread and broke it, right, and took the wine, and he passed it around. It said, take, eat, this is my blood of the new covenant, right? Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. What did he leave out in that? The bitter herbs, right? Uh, and so uh, he, he had the flesh, which, which was represented by the, by the bread, and, and the blood, which is represented by the juice. Uh, and so, of course, for them, you know, they were not allowed to eat eat the blood of animals, right? That was a big no-no in the Old Covenant. So Jesus kind of upended everything, uh, and he replaced, he really replaced the Passover meal with the communion service. And so the church really should celebrate the communion service, but we, we, there's no need, and we really ought not to. I mean, I don't have a problem with doing it just from a standpoint of historical information, uh, <clears throat> but there's no need for us to celebrate the Passover meal. Uh, amen? Because uh, they don't actually murder anything, right? I mean, because you can do the whole thing, you've got to murder something. Something's got to die, right? And they don't murder anything, right? They don't splash any blood anywhere, right? Have you ever been to, have you ever been to a Seder meal there? Uh, to, uh, 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 but they don't, uh, did they, they didn't wipe any blood anywhere that I know of, right? That would have been kind of gross, like, ooh, Gary. Uh, and, so, um, and so, anyway, so he gives the instructions there, taking the blood, uh, uh, and of course they said on the lintel, right? The lintel was the, the over, uh, overhead part of the door. Uh, and uh, thou shalt eat the flesh in the night, Roast with fire, unleavened bread, bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire. His head with his legs, and the, the uh, uh, per pertinence thereof, which I think is everything on the inside there. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I have to go look that word up there. And you shall eat nothing of it. Uh, you shall let nothing of it remain until morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So we know that the whole purpose of the Passover was for, for the angel of death to pass over, right? That's what the whole point of the word Passover is, to pass over the nation of Israel and to exempt them from the, the angel of death. <clears throat> and he said, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and, or really he will allow this angel to pass over tonight, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses which you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, which I smite, smite the land of Egypt. And this day 
shall you be, uh, and this day shall be unto you, I'm going to turn the page there, for a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall uh, keep it uh, a feast by ordinance forever. So again, the Lord's, the Lord's intending that, uh, that they do this to remember that, remember what the Lord did for them, the how, how they got out of Egypt. Uh, and there was also practical uh, purposes for this. The Lord said, uh, eat, eat this meat here because tomorrow you're heading out. So they needed to be strong physically, uh, enough, have enough energy to make this long journey, right, uh, to get out of Egypt. And so that was, that was part of it. The Lord was looking at it and said, well, they're not going to be able to stop. There's no McDonald's along the way. Go ahead and eat all this uh, meat right now, and, and you'll have the, the capacity and ability to... to uh, to make this journey that you're gonna, that's going to begin tomorrow. Uh, and so, so the blood was, was sprinkled on the house to protect him from, uh, well, from, from the wrath of God, which he allowed the death angel to come through and destroy everything. <clears throat> and the flesh was there to strengthen him for the journey. Uh, and so who, who is our Passover today? So Jesus is the Passover. So he, he really fulfilled the, 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 uh, the Passover as a type and shadow of Jesus, right? So, uh, because of that, it says, in, uh, and I know we've got to go here, uh, <clears throat> uh, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So he is our Passover, right? So his blood was shed, uh, and, it's, and his blood is sprinkled on us, right? We are washed in the blood of Jesus, amen? And so that means that there's no wrath of God that's going to come upon us, uh, because uh, of the blood of Jesus. Uh, and so, and uh, remember they ate the flesh of the animal to provide strength for them, right? To, to, uh, uh, and, and remember also in, in the book of Psalms, it says they left and there was not one people among them, which is a miracle all by itself, right? You got a million, two million people, not one people among all of them. I mean, you can get six people together most of the time in the earth, and one's feeble, right? And then it's a race to the bottom from there. Oh, you think you feel bad, right? I feel twice as bad as you do. Uh, and so they ate of, of, that, uh, uh, of that meat and that unleavened bread to provide, to provide them strength. Well, uh, when we eat and remind ourselves with the communion by eating that bread, then uh, that should remind us that the Lord has provided us with strength to remove sickness and disease from our midst, just like it, it, uh, they were not one people among them when they came out because of the Passover. Well, Shouldn't the church also not have one people among us because we receive communion and eat of the same bread? Uh, and uh, he said, take this, uh, this is meat for you, right? In John chapter 6, he had a lot to say about that. <clears throat> and so uh, we'll, we'll pick this up, uh, continue this uh, next week because there's a few more things about the Passover that's helpful to look at. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so that, that's, uh, um, uh, the, I like the whole type and shadow of uh, the Passover lamb, and there's a lot in there, right? The Lord did a lot for us because if you got death, uh, you got strength, uh, you got protection, uh, you got identification. There's a lot of things that, that's helpful for us to know about the whole Passover thing. But since Jesus came and fulfilled that, there's no need for us to go and murder any more animals. Amen. Uh, there's no need for us to mark a natural thing that says this house, right? Because we are marked. Remember, we're sealed or marked by the Holy Spirit in the realm of the Spirit. Uh, and so the, the death angel should pass over us unless we go, oh, that just kills me. And the death angel, oh, what'd you say? Thanks, I appreciate that. I'll be right there. Uh, and, and yet people say that all the time, right? Uh, uh, someone said, uh, that scared me half to death. 
Well, if, if you do that twice, does that mean you're dead? Now, if you're scared you have to death, then if you do that twice, then you're scared you all the way to death, right? And then, so I guess you get two shots at it, right? Uh, anyway, that's a, that's a different discussion. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the types of shadows that you gave to us. In the old covenant, Father, many of these things have been completed in the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross, and so we can get insight really into what you accomplished for us on the cross by studying the law that you provided for us uh, in uh, the annals of history there uh, thousands of years ago. And so we thank you for that, Father. We, we thank you, Father, that, that we no longer have to keep the Passover because you are our Passover. Uh, and so we thank you for the great and mighty things you've done for us, and we choose to accept it and live in them, Father, by faith. And we thank you for these, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, are we thankful for the Passover of the Lord Jesus? You know, uh, the New Covenant says that he is our Passover. Amen. Uh, and I've always thought it odd that, that uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody, but I always, I always think it's odd that there's a single Jewish person left in the whole earth, right? <laughs> Just, I mean, Jesus did all these things for us. All you could do is, okay, what do you do? And you look at the Old Covenant, and like, yeah, that lines up, that lines up, everything lines up, and it's like, how, how is he not that, right? Uh, but part of it is because their understanding of what the Messiah is and what Jesus uh, showed to us what the Messiah really was is in conflict, right? They always thought the Messiah was going to be a general and, and these types of things. And, and uh, he was a general, but just of the realm of the Spirit, amen? Uh, he will come back as a, as a real general, right, and rule the earth, uh, but that's in the future, and so, so maybe when he comes back, you know, they'll they'll be, oh yeah, it's about time you shut up, Mr. Messiah, and Jesus is like, I've been that for thousands of years, amen. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole whole different topic there. Well, why don't we get ready ready to receive this afternoon's offering? So don't forget. Um, uh, let's see, we're um, we're receiving um, um, supplies for. The jail ministry, the Christmas bags that we're going to provide for them. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. So if you want to bring white socks, postage stamps, chapstick, and individually wrapped snacks, was there anything else? It seemed like there was one other thing that uh, uh, was on the list there, but uh, not to put you under pressure there. Uh, but if you want to bring... Okay, yeah, everything else we'll order. Uh, from the church there, and um, that way they'll be, uh, uh, we can get exactly what we need on those things there. But if you want to bring white socks, uh, you get white socks anywhere, right? <clears throat> of course, Chris used to be, they used to have a business for selling socks, right? Did you guys get old socks, or not old socks, but like seconds, you know? <clears throat> and so, they didn't match them up and go sell them at, uh, at the yard sale, right? At the, or, or a flea market, right? And so, flea market socks. So, if you want to go to the flea market, they may still be selling them. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, yeah, go to Cleveland? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we're going to put those together on December the 15th at 6 p.m. here at the church. So, uh, And also, uh, we won't have a uh, service on Wednesday night, so I'll send a text out about that <clears throat> to remind everybody uh, as well. Uh, so enjoy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. <clears throat>